Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. This morning what we're going to do is look at what I call posits, and I'll explain that, that there are five posits surrounding what the knowledge of God is. And it leads to sound theology. And if you don't have those, just a, at least a, a grasping and a working knowledge, often we attribute to things of God that aren't worthy of God. We also have a tendency because of our humanness in many ways to anthropomorphize. That means to give human qualities to something that isn't human. So often we do that with our uh, animals. You can do it with animals. You can do it with inanimate objects. We also do it with God. So why am I saying this? To remember that humans, you and I, male and female, are created in the image of God. God is not created in the image of humans. It's a really important concept. Are we like God? Yes, but we're not God. God is other than. And so that creates somewhat of a puzzle that we call paradox. That means two things that look like they don't fit, but they do. And you can know parts of it, but you may not know it completely. And that journey, uh, A.W. Tozer, he he called it, he quoted uh, a theologian by the name of Faber or Faber, um, that God is an open secret. Those who long and want to know God, God is often just, you know, he just wants to reveal himself. Jesus said, I want to come. He says, I'm going to manifest myself. That means make myself known to you. I'm going to show you who I am and reveal in that way. And so he longs in his hearts for us to know him maybe and often more than we long for him to know us. Because there's another secret, and that's when you don't want God to know things. But guess what? When you look at the attributes of God, he's not like us. So there's a thing like omniscience, and that means that God knows everything. God knows it before it happens. Because we just sang this song. And we'll look at it in detail over these five posits. Uh, God's not bound by time like you are. We are very bound by time. So A.W. Tozer suggests, and by the way, let me do one little more aside from A.W. Tozer. And, and just so you know this, A.W. Tozer was a Canadian. A.W. Tozer was a brilliant writer and some of you, anybody know who Leonard Ravenhill was? You, you read a lot of Leonard, okay. He was a disciple of A.W. Tozer. So that was somebody that Leonard Ravenhill followed and listened to. And why A.W. Tozer is so, still so embraced uh, with his understanding. And there's other people who wrote this kind of stuff. Uh, there was a theologian by the name of Pink that actually talks about the, he has a book called The Attributes of God, and you can read that, and it's just as wonderful. 
Uh, so Tozer suggests this. God being an open secret, God loves to reveal himself to those who believe and want to know him. Do you want to know God? A couple of you do? If you want to know God, you need to know, the first thing you need to know is this, God wants you to know him. Why does that matter? Because that's, that's where the uh, one writer put it this way. He called it a kiss. He said, when revelation, the opening up of understanding something, and faith meet each other, something happens into the human soul. We become aware. We have, we have a knowledge that springs forth in us. So that kiss is what Tozer's speaking of, that we can know God. So he says this, it's, uh, he reveals himself not on their terms. Have you ever had a demand in your heart to know God? I, I want to know, the, I wanna know the, or about something in life. you got to show me, and you get real adamant. You'll usually get a lot of silence in return for that is what I've found. Uh, and, uh, and yet, there's times when you least expect it, you go, ah, oh, and you have those aha moments. Do you ever, do you know what I'm talking about? I, you guys got to give, you're all frozen. You got to like, get it, give me a head nod. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's a, oh, that's what God meant. Those are really precious to me. I, and, uh, when it happens with my wife, she often journals about it, and it's incredible. Listen, God is a person. The reason we say it that way is because of his being. So we talk about a God who is a three-person being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, simply by way of describing. But that doesn't mean that God has personality. God has attributes, things that he has revealed about himself that an attribute is something you attribute. And you go, oh, that's God. And so that's why it's important that we study him. He can be studied. Um, but what he loves the most actually is when we love him and are grateful for what he's showing us. And this is what I found, that many, many people grow in their understanding of God when there's a, this healthy commodity, commodity of gratefulness as opposed to frustration. I've watched throughout the years people trying to know something about God and because they can't know it, they get frustrated. And often I've even had someone go, I'm quitting. I'm just quitting. Well, I do understand that. I got to the end of my own religion and quit. And uh, that was suddenly when God showed up and it changed my life. Those are things are all interwoven by faith. Without faith, you won't be grateful. And without gratefulness, you don't understand a lot about faith. It's funny how they work together. So, the reason I say all this is I want to make a statement, and I'm not poking at anything, but it's this, and it has to do with faith and this understanding. If you don't believe that God wants to reveal who he is to you, you won't 
recognize much about him. If you make statements like, oh, that's fine for Diane. She studies all week and she goes after God and he just says, me, I don't ever get anything. You're not going to get anything. Don't compare yourself to other people and say, well, they're the ones that get this. They're the ones that get a revelation of who God is. And I never have that happen. When you keep using that negative block language, it really does block you. When you start praying, go, I know. I know this much about you, but I want to increase in my understanding. God looks at that. We call that teachability. It's, it's a humble place. And when the humble heart says that, just think in the natural realm. Dad, what was our family like? That's oh, none of your business, kid. No father says that to their child. You, what was grandpa like? Oh, let me tell you. And you start unfolding it. In that way, we're somewhat godlike. And if we can be good to our children, don't you know that when you use language that blocks God, it's not God you're blocking, it's who? You, your own heart. It's your own heart that you're blocking. And, uh, and a lot of times when we do that, we become a blocked learner and how does God speak to us of who he is? <laughs> In so many ways, he uses all of life to get us to see who he is. And he addresses it. So our, when our hearts are open, God reveals himself. So I want to talk to you about five posits. I'll explain what a posit is. Surrounding not only the knowledge of God, but then it can be encompassed with sound theology that doesn't have holes in it, doesn't leak. It's wholesome. So this is what the word posit means. It means to dispose or set firmly, to affirm the existence of, and to propose as an explanation. That's what a posit is. It's kind of, it's kind of like a foundational... Um, have you ever had a porch built on the back of your house or a deck and they put those posts in the ground that have to be set first in concrete and they get it all set up and get the level marks on it so that you can have a sound porch? That's what a, po a posit is, those posts. These are the things that it sets on. So the knowledge of God sets on, I'm going to, there's more than five, but it's easier if we remember things in threes and fives and sevens. Nobody understands why that is, but you just do better, better with, with understanding that. So I made it simple and I'm going to use five of them. So the first one is this. There is a great paradox between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. There are two realms that coexist and at times seem to co-function and they are both very valid 
one of the things that difficult in the natural is this. The spiritual is more real than the natural. What? The spiritual realm is actually a more valid and real realm than this natural realm. God being God is more real, let me use an example, than this. Does the chair exist? Yes. But the chair is bound by earth and will decay and fall apart. God exists and will never decay and fall apart. And he lives in a realm that has no, think through this, the spiritual realm has no decay in it. It is not bound by the laws of the earth. It is not bound by entropy. And all the other things that we call natural laws in the earth, gravity is one of those. Right? If you hold a pen and drop it to the floor, you know, it's always going to drop. Those are natural laws. There are spiritual laws that are greater than natural laws. And they actually exist here and now. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, this is one a huge way to understand it. So he's talking about all the things that have happened uh, with what was going on in, his, in, in the ministry that he was doing. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment now think of the song that we sang this morning future past is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory now whenever the word eternal is used you go ah he's suddenly talking about that other realm he says while we do not look at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. They live in a realm of eternity, but eternity bears, uh, it pushes in on this natural realm. That's how we actually come to a point of salvation, is we go, there's something that's bigger than this. Ah, yes. And there is someone who is bigger than this. Yes. That was my own experience. In, I didn't come, come to a salvation experience through church or through talking with other people. I came to a salvation experience with the presence of God in me. Looking at something that was written. And me getting upset about it. It was one of those tracks that told you how, how awful your life was and how bad you needed a Savior. And I crumpled it up in my hand and threw it on the floor and I even used a cuss word and screamed and said, why in the blank don't you leave me alone? And went, and I heard myself. In a moment of time, that other realm started to bear on the earthly. Now, I'm not the most brilliant mind on the earth granted many of you know that you can laugh a little bit anyway please but I'm not stupid not at all 
I'm a really good thinker. Well, when that piece of paper hit the floor and I yelled that, I went, what? I sat down on the edge of the bed and I actually said, inside of myself, I said, if I'm yelling at someone to leave me alone, that means someone is not leaving me alone and someone is there. And he just rubbed me raw enough to get my attention, even in anger. That's those two realms that are working at the same time. And it's a paradox. It's puzzling to us until you taste the eternal, the invisible realm. And then you start going, wait a minute. And it can, uh, so the psalm says this Oh, taste. It uses a parabolic language. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, when that happens to us, we go, oh, wait a minute. I've tasted pretty good things on the earth, uh, obviously. And my wife's a really good cook and all that. But one taste of the eternal realm changes your entire understanding of taste. It starts to work inside of you and it becomes more real than this temporary life that we have here. So Jesus taught it this way. He, taught, he said the kingdom of heaven. He referred to the eternal realm, that other realm in this paradox. He started preaching to them about another realm. Um, if you understand the history of God revealing himself to people and the people groups, it was unheard of. He spoke of the realm not only as an other realm, but that that's where he had come from. He said, you're of the earth, I come from above. And they went, say What? By the way, they wanted to kill him for it because he not only said that, he said God's his father. Which made him out to be equal with God, which to them was punishable by death. And so he starts revealing through himself this other realm and he uses language, says the kingdom, and he starts telling them stories. The kingdom of heaven is like and it starts breaking into their humanity in this temporal realm. And they start finding inside of them this longing, not just to be with Jesus, but to be with him in such a way that they have what he has. A connection with God. That's that longing that's in our heart that even though it's puzzling, we long. I don't know how you are. I long to know more of God. Why? Because it changes me. It bears upon it. Um, when he tell, but here's the thing. When he did that for them, it was puzzling. Enough so that one of their foremost teachers, you find this in John 3, one of their foremost teachers named Nicodemus, by the way, is portrayed wonderfully uh, in, in that film series, The Chosen. 
Nicodemus, and he's scared that other leaders are going to get mad at him, so he actually comes to him at night in secret to ask him questions. Because he is, in his heart, he's undone. Because he knows Jesus is speaking, they put it this way, as one with authority. That didn't mean he was telling people what to do. It means he came from someplace and knew what he was talking about. When you know what you're talking about, you talk about it with authority. Always. We always do. I do. I'm doing it right now. It's an example of it. This is real. How do you explain to someone else who doesn't know what's real, what real is? It's a paradox. So you start using things of the earth to describe things of heaven. The knowledge of God works the same way. It's why it's such a posit for us. You have to understand that there is a paradox. And if somebody can't get it, they can't get it right then. But it doesn't mean they won't get it. You trying to impose what you know upon somebody who doesn't will, not, will move from being a paradox to being a frustration to youth judging their hearts. And suddenly you've moved from an eternal kingdom into this earthly realm and now you will relegate them to being less than you. Ow. Don't do that. In being able to explain who God is to them and show them what God is like, if you don't understand the paradox and that it exists and that it's there, you're not going to be very likable is one thing. Nobody likes a, a harsh judgment. Look at all the, most of the attack on the church from people who went to church and are now offended is, is they hurt me, they judged me. It's seldom an issue about God. It's usually an issue about their life in the natural realm and how they got treated. And it is because the people who are treating them that way don't understand this paradox. So you look at the story of Nicodemus. So by way of explaining this, you have to understand, Jesus understands the dilemma because he came from what he's talking about. So he takes Nicodemus through this journey and says, he says, well, you have to be born again. Nicodemus goes, what? Can a man enter his mother's womb again? Because he's talking about being birthed. And Jesus says, I'm speaking to you. He says, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't even understand earthly stuff. How can I explain this to you unless you receive it? So he says, unless you're born again, you can't enter this kingdom, the eternal realm. He said, then he says something even greater. Unless you're born again, you can't see it. Now, as we work with people who are unbelievers, if you understand that paradox, they can't see it till they receive it. So you're trying to give them the depth of what God's meant to you in your life, and they're going, say, what? What? No, I don't. You know how many times I flipped off and told those hippies in Tucson to keep their track and where to put it? 
They were all trying to reach me, but I couldn't be reached. My sister tried to talk to me. I went, Lila, I want none of that. I didn't want any of her brand of religion, ever. She wouldn't even wear makeup anymore. Good grief, woman, put some lipstick on. <laughs> that actually was my father saying that, not me. He didn't understand because he thought his daughter was beautiful, especially when she got all duded up like women can do. And he was just angry because she wouldn't wear any makeup because she thought it was a distraction of the eternal. All she did, all he, she really did was put us all off because she didn't understand the paradox. She was trying to prove the eternal realm by this, by the earthly. You don't prove the eternal realm by the earthly. You get a reflection of the eternal realm in the earthly. Therein lies that big paradox. And if you can, through faith, start receiving more and more of the eternal realm, it shapes how you work in this realm. Is this making sense? I love that story of Nicodemus. Even when Nicodemus is, is frustrating... My brother always told me this story about when he was a little boy. He was walking with our grandma, Oma, uh, in her garden. She was, she was uh, born in Germany, and so she was here. And he was asking her questions, and she actually answered him in German. But he said, Grandma, where does the wind come from? And so I can't use, do the German phrase anymore, but she basically went, I do not ask such foolish things. No. Where does the wind come from? Well, I can't define it, but I can describe it. Isn't God often that way with the eternal? You can't often define it, but you can describe. Well, I feel the wind on my face. And what, what little boy, what a wonderful question to ask. Where does the wind come from? Well, child, the isotopes and the bands of different air pressure circle over Canada, and it creates a... No, the little child, here's what you say. Oh, it's caught in God's plan of how he makes the earth work. And you use the natural stuff of earth to start understanding the eternal realm. And even in our most childlike state of asking stuff about the earth we can use to let people know who God is and, it, and that there's another realm that's more real. Fantasy tries to distort that. I love stories of fantasy. Magic tries to distort that. It can actually distort it in people's thinking. Faith is not fantasy. Faith is tangible. Faith is something I have that receives God's eternal realm invading my being and reveals something to me. So I know God by faith. And here's the funny thing. And this is what Tozer laid out. I'm jumping ahead a little bit on one of the posits. 
We believe to know. We don't know to believe. Most believers get that backwards. So they want to know something in order to believe it. But in reality, faith believes God. And it pleases Him. So what does He do? He opens up that eternal realm. The things that aren't seen. And they become more real in your life than the things that are. Isn't it? I love this paradox. It's so God. That's why the Proverbs says this. It says says this, referring to the earthly, he says, I think it's Proverbs 25, it's the glory of God to hide a matter and the glory of the king to search a matter out. So, report came out today that debunks, and I'm not attacking you, but that is done by scientists and actually debunks the whole thing about the climate woes that the earth is in. Just came out. Study by scientists who are going, uh, it's not really true. The climate is not getting worse on the earth. Um, all those things that were said about it. I'm sorry if you're, if you're embracing that and I'm not trying to oppose you and I don't have enough information here in front of me. Dude, I'm telling you what the report said. It, I'm going to tell you they're going to deep six that one and they are actually going to... Uh, censor that because it's not what we want to hear yeah I did I sent it to you because I went yeah I knew it was coming that's just common sense stuff I knew that was coming this whole earth has been around for a while even by the way we measure time so we'll do one more this morning here's the second posit There is an inability, because it's tied to the first one, of the natural realm to reason or to comprehend God. 1 Corinthians 2, but as is written, oh, this is a wonderful passage. I have a favorite uh, Irish singer who does a song about this that just uh, undoes my heart. Eye is not seen nor ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is an eternal statement. It's not talking about the earthly, it's talking about the eternal. But God has revealed them to us through how? His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. We've really distorted this one, by the way. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? He's referring to the Holy Spirit that's in you as a believer. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Here's what I want to tell you right now, right at this point in this verse. It takes God to know God, not you. The spirit, when you receive God, and he says his spirit comes in. 1 Corinthians 6 says, he who's joined to the Lord, who receives God as their Savior, is one spirit with him. Your spirit and God's spirit are inseparable now. They become one. That's why the 
visualization and the imagery of marriage has been used in the past. God's spirit gets joined to your spirit. What does that mean? Everything. Because now you can know God. Because he joined himself to you. That's the only reason you can know him, God. Know God. Is that God reveals himself to you through his spirit. With authority because he knows God. So Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit, says, He won't speak of Himself. He will speak of me. He's going to show you stuff about me. And then He gives Him a name. Do you know what He calls Him? The Spirit of Truth. But the word truth there doesn't mean like a truth of principle. It means the spirit of validity, of veracity. He's true truth unchanging truth. And he says, he, he will reveal it to you. Isn't that a phenomenal? Let me finish this and then we'll close. I don't want to close. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not going to or needed on a daily basis, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, the eternal things. There's eight sermons right there. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual that's where we often fail as church. We try to explain natural things by the Spirit. And we stumble. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. Nicodemus says, how can those things be? Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That means understand. The word discern doesn't mean judgmentalism. It means understanding. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. I don't care how much you like me or don't like me. Because God does. Not in a nasty in your face way. That's just everybody makes judgments about everybody. But God's judgment of me is Christ. God's judgment towards me when I receive him as my Savior, he doesn't see me outside of Christ. He doesn't differentiate between his spirit and yours. Can, can you grasp that? Think through that. When God looks at you, I'll put it in terms of the personalities. When God looks at you, he sees his son. He doesn't see somebody that's trying to be Christ-like. He doesn't have to. He sees you completely and knows you in the spiritual realm. And he goes, oh, child. Oh, lovely one. Do you know what I did last night? Oh, my perfect one. How could he say that? Because he sees Christ. 
You received Christ. You received who he is. In all the deeper sense of that, is it a paradox? You better believe it. And you want to be a changed person? Go after understanding it. I don't like theology. Guess what? You just got a big dose of it. I don't like those kind of teachings. Yeah, you do. When your heart awakens to them and you'll go, oh my God, my God. I want to close with this. Famous poet, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Anybody ever heard of him? You want me to do a judgment on you? You uncircumcised Philistines who have no idea. Okay, Gerard Manley Hopkins was a poet who got born again. He had been, in a, I believe, a successful attorney. He got born again and became a priest, became a monk, didn't even want to be a priest. He got smitten with this understanding of God. And he, he left everything that he knew. And his whole life, he writes about the incredible journey and writes all these poems. One was called The Windover. Think through that. It's, also, it's a type of bird, but it's also referring to a dove. And then it's talking about the wind over. And it does it, and he uses symbolic language. And so he starts talking about wrestling with being judgmental over the things of the earth. And he starts, the people, the things he's offended at, and why, why it's such a wrestling match and how God wants him to be something that he doesn't ever feel like he can be and he fails at it over and over and over and over again. And then he talks at the end of it the line that's the revelation part. He says, I have wrestled with this and he refers to the rude meaning the cross. I have wrestled with this crucifixion. And he said, and I've come to this understanding. My God my God he plays with language the wrestling that we're to have is to reveal God in this eternal realm and then you say you just get oh my God I'm sick of that well that's what he was doing except then he gets the next part my God wait my God and he starts realizing that's who God is that in his greatest mess, wrestling match, God longs to reveal himself to the human heart. Lived his whole life, nobody knew about his poems. His entire collection was published posthumously. And the abbey was, he was associated with received the money for it. But if you love poetry, ah, now there's a poet worth reading someone who knew God and wrestled with it. Wrestle this week about what you know and what you don't know. Take something away from today that can be meaningful for you. Don't just listen to my teachings. I'll put it in our human life. For God's sake, don't do that. God has much more intent for your life than that. God cares for you right now where you're at and his longing is to show you himself. Each one of us. So I want to close with praying for us, okay?
God, reveal yourself to us. Lord, of all the things that I can pray, don't leave me stuck. Don't ever leave me alone. We, if you will, weak human terms, we plead with you this morning, knowing that you love to answer our plea. So I pray right now that great prayer from Ephesians for us. That Holy Spirit, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. That you would reveal to us the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we could know what is the hope of your calling. What is the exceeding glory of your riches, of your inheritance in the saints. And that we could possibly, possibly grasp the surpassing greatness of your power towards us who believe. That you would bring it into our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and you would change us. Change me even more, God. You have changed me and changed me more. And I say for us with Paul of old, oh, that we might know you. Oh, that we might know you. Come show who you are to each one of us. No matter what age, no matter what place in life, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what circumstances, show us Jesus. And we say with those disciples of old, and it will suffice. (laughs) And we receive it now by faith that you want to do this. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you guys. Love on each other as you go.